Section 27 of The National Geographic Magazine, Volume 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Proceedings of the International Geographic Conference in Chicago, July 27 through 28. 1893. Memoirs and Addresses. Recent Disclosures Concerning Pre-Columbian Voyages to America in the Archives of the Vatican. By William Ellroy Curtis. Part 1. Several eminent Scandinavian scholars and others who have made the early voyages of the Norsemen the subject of special study have for years contended that the archives of the Vatican contained important evidence bearing upon the pre-Columbian discoveries of America. Some have even had the courage to assert that the legends and traditions of the Icelandic sagas would be established as facts if the records of the church could be called as witnesses, while others have gone even still farther and have insisted that, through the secret aid of the Pope, Columbus enjoyed full knowledge of the voyages of the Norsemen and the country they called Vinland the Good, and simply followed the course over which they had cruised across the ocean four hundred years before his birth. But until Leo Thirteenth came to the Vatican, no amount of argument or influence was able to unlock the mysterious manuscripts which for eighteen hundred years have been accumulating upon the shelves of the Holy See. Some years ago, a woman went to Congress and asked the passage of a resolution directing the President of the United States to use his influence with the Pope to have them examined, but no notice was taken of her petition, and year after year applications from students and historians were made in vain. The officers of the Church denied nothing. They simply said that they did not know what the early archives of the Church contained, that they had not been disturbed for centuries and that no one with access to them had either the time or the disposition to make an examination. In the summer of 1892, Congress passed a resolution requesting the governments of Spain, France, Great Britain, the Pope of Rome, the Duke of Veraguas, and others to loan for exhibition in the convent of La Rabida at the World's Columbian Exposition certain manuscripts, maps, and printed volumes relating to the voyages of Columbus and the discovery and early settlement of America. It was my pleasant duty to convey this request to the nations and persons named, and with the exception of the government of France and the municipality of Genoa, the response was prompt, generous, and complete. His Eminence, Manager Rampola, Cardinal Secretary of State, who represented the Pope in the negotiations, was extremely cordial and interested, and although he could not permit any original papers to be taken from the files of the Vatican, he caused a thorough investigation to be made, and furnished a facsimile of every important or interesting document that could be found bearing upon the early history of America. While the claims of the Scandinavian scholars were not sustained, and no evidence was disclosed to show that the discoveries and adventures of the Norsemen in America were ever known to the church, or that Columbus obtained any information or assistance whatever from this source, 
there were brought to light several historical documents of the greatest value, relating to the settlement of Greenland and the propaganda of the church in the Middle Ages. The work of investigation was done under the direction of Mr. J. C. Haywood, a ripe and skillful scholar, who has devoted many years to the study of the history and the policy of the Catholic Church, and who kindly consented to serve as the representative of the Department of State of the United States in securing a historical exhibit from the Vatican. Mr. Haywood was formerly a resident of Philadelphia, but of late years has made his home at Rome, and is one of the chamberlains of Pope Leo XIII. He was inspired in his work by a double motive, the desire to have the Vatican represented at the world's Columbian Exposition by some important and unusual exhibit, and to add to the records of the Department of State at Washington a collection of most valuable historical papers. The documents were exhibited in the convent of La Rabida at the world's Columbian Exposition, with the relics of Columbus and the catalogue of the collection contained, among much other new and interesting historical matter. The following description from Mr. Haywood's pen. The facsimile of documents relating to the early history of America here exhibited are taken from the famous series of the papal registers or letter books. These are a collection of more than 12,000 volumes in folio, partly written on parchment and partly on paper, and are preserved in the secret archives of the Holy See at the Vatican Palace. In these registers, almost all the letters issued by the popes were recorded before being sent to their destinations. They contain also the petitions received, and offer, therefore, original and most important materials for the histories of all nations. The collection now begins with Pope Innocent III, 1198-1216. All the portion of it prior to that date was lost or destroyed in the commencement of the 13th century. What remains is classified as follows. A. The Vatican Registers, over 2,000 volumes, 1198-1600. to B. The Avignon Registers, about 350 volumes, 1316-1417. to C. The Lateran Registers, about 2,300 volumes, 1417-1831. to D the registers of the requests about seven thousand four hundred volumes thirteen fifty two to eighteen thirty one it must cause a peculiar satisfaction to leo the thirteenth that one of the early results of his enlightened liberality in opening the secret archives is as shown by these letters to make accessible to all proofs that by whomsoever represented the papacy has always been faithful to the divine mission which it claims for itself, that whenever discoveries of, till then, unknown countries have been announced, it at once has made provision for the preaching of the gospel and the introduction of Christianity among the peoples of such countries. The papers, of which the facsimiles are here shown, may be divided into four groups. Those which relate to the bishopric of Garter, Greenland, those which relate to the line of demarcation, those which relate to the sending of missionaries to America, those in which Pope Julius II recommends Bartholomew and Diego Columbus. A. Documents concerning the Bishopric of Garter, Greenland. 
Greenland certainly is the part of the New World which was first brought into relation with the Old. This was done through the Northmen of Norway and Iceland. It was by their means that Christianity was first carried to America, and there gave occasion for the documents in question. According to Adam of Bremen, died about 1076, and the sagas, Norwegians first reached the American coast at the end of the ninth or beginning of the tenth century, but as in Norway itself, so in Greenland, the complete establishment of the Christian religion is attributed to King Olaf II, died 1030. It is said that Archbishop Aldebert of Bremen, 1055, sent Albert as the first bishop to Greenland. This bishopric certainly existed in 1124. It was the first bishopric erected in America. The numerous researchers and publications in regard to the extension of settlements which Christian Greenlanders effected on the American continent, and in regard to the positions of the Helleland, the Markland, and the Vinland, make apparent not only the possibility, but also the probability, that a considerable portion of that continent felt in some degree at that time the civilizing influence of the bishops of Garter. Raffin identified the Vindland with Massachusetts. The question has lately been thoroughly re-examined by Storm. His opinion is that Vindland, and consequently the extreme point reached by Christian Northmen, cannot be sought for further south than Nova Scotia. In any case, the historic importance of the bishopric of Garter is plain. The bishopric belonged to the first metropolitan see of Hamburg-Bremen, but in 1146 Pope Eugene III sent the cardinal bishop of Albano Nicholas, who afterward became Pope Hadrian IV, to Norway to arrange in a more convenient manner the ecclesiastical affairs of that country. He established a metropolis see at Drontheim, to which he subjected the bishoprics of Norway, of the Northern Islands, and of Garter, or Greenland. The letter of Innocent Third, the earliest in order of time and the first here exhibited, epitomizes the apostolic case with which his predecessors in the twelfth century had bestowed on only part of America then known. In all ordinary matters the dioceses were governed by the bishops, without any direct interference on the part of the Pope. But when Gregory X, in the Council of Leons, 1174, ordered that a tithe of all ecclesiastical revenues should for six years be contributed, in order to provide means, at least, to preserve the last Christian position in Palestine, which, after the death of Louis the Ninth of France, died August the 25th, 1270, seemed almost lost, and some interferences in some cases became necessary. The letters of the popes, written under these extraordinary circumstances, to the Archbishop of Trondheim, contain interesting information regarding the condition of the Greenlanders in the 13th century, and show that a part of America helped to furnish the money for the crusade. The archbishop has informed the Pope, letters 2 and 6, that it would take him five years, including the voyage to and from, to visit the diocese of Greenland, and has asked permission to send some proper person in his place. Other letters, 3 and 4, say that the archbishop would have to spend six years in order to collect personally the tithes in his archdiocese, and that in doing so he would be obliged to live, sometimes five or more consecutive days, in a tent while traveling through desert regions. 
Therefore he thinks it needful that a large number of collectors should be appointed. In other letters, 5 and 8, the archbishop notes the poverty of the country. The people had no money of any kind, and no grain or fruit could be grown. The inhabitants lived on milk or food produced from it, laticenia, and fish. In Greenland, particularly the people could offer nothing for the expenses of the crusade but skins, probably of the elk or of the muskox, and of seals, coria bovina et focarum, and the teeth and soper of whales, funes balinarum. The non-production of grain and grapes made it necessary for the faithful, letter 7, to provide for a supply of bread and wine to be used in celebrating the Eucharist. From a letter of Pope Nicholas V, dated September 22, 1148, letter 9, it appears that the Greenlanders attributed their conversion to St. Olaf, King of Norway, died 1030, that they had built, beside a goodly number of parish churches, a respectable cathedral at Garter, and about the year 1418 heathen foreigners, with a fleet, invaded their country, killed or carried into slavery the inhabitants, and burned their habitations and buildings, leaving only nine churches, which were in the least accessible regions. Some of the captives, having escaped and returned to their own country, unable to go to the distant churches, have begged the Pope to provide them with priests and a bishop. Nicholas therefore empowers the two neighboring bishops of Iceland to satisfy the pious desires of the Greenlanders. The information contained in this letter of Nicholas V is in some measure completed and confirmed by one from Pope Alexander VI, written 1492-93, just when Columbus had made his great discovery. It seems that the letter of Nicholas did not reach its destination, or failed to effect its purpose. At any rate, the Greenlanders had addressed a petition to Innocent VIII, setting forth that, for about eighty years, since the heathen invasion in about 1418, they had been deprived of priests and of a bishop. As a consequence, many had already lost their faith, and to those who remained faithful, the only memorial of Christian worship yet belonging was the caporal, on which, nearly one hundred years before, a priest had, for the last time among them, consecrated the blessed sacrament. Once every year this holy and venerated relic was shown to all the people. Before his elevation to the pontificate, Alexander, as chancellor, had proposed Matthew, a Benedictine monk, for the bishop of Garter. By this letter he frees him from the payment of all the fees that were due in such cases, and praises the willingness with which he had undertaken the difficult mission. Documents that relate to the line of demarcation. Acting on the approved general opinion, a common consent of the time, which acknowledged the right of popes to interfere authoritatively even in political and international affairs, when the welfare of souls are involved, the Portuguese kings, with their discoveries along the western coast of Africa, commenced a series of demands for the exclusive right of discovery and colonization in that direction. This the popes Martin V, Eugene IV, Nicholas V, and Sextus IV gradually ceded to them till their successive grants covered all the region from Ceuta, around Africa, to India. 
The discovery announced by Columbus, and believed even by himself till the day of his death, to be only a new and shorter way to the eastern part of India, naturally excited the apprehensions and jealousy of the Portuguese court. On the return of the great discoverer, March the 4th, 1493, from his first voyage, Ferdinand put in operation all his diplomacy at Lisbon, for the purpose of preventing any interference with his claims, and at Rome, in order to procure from the Pope a sole proprietorship of the New World, he obtained three papal letters, dated May the 3rd and 4th, which was to effect this result. The letter beginning, intercetera, of the date of May the 3rd, gave to Spain, first the exclusive right to the lately discovered islands, and to the other lands which might still be found, so far as they were not already possessed by some Christian power. Secondly, the same privileges and rights for its new colonies as those previously conceded to Portugal for its possessions on the west coast of Africa. The other letter, of same date, which begins, Eximie Devotionis, contains only the last-mentioned concession. The third letter, dated May the 4th, on the other hand, gives the first concession indicated above, but not the second, and is therefore to some extent a repetition of the first letter. But it contains, in addition, a definition of the famous line of demarcation, determining more exactly the donation given by the first letter, evidently on account of the grant made to Portugal, although that is not mentioned. The line is fixed one hundred leagues to the west and south of the westernmost islands of the Azores. To the south was added, because the region was particularly desired by both parties, and because Portugal had already proposed the drawing of a line from east to west in order to confine Spain to the northern side of such a boundary. The condition of geographical science at the time did not permit the intended boundary to be defined more accurately. In proposing it to Alexander the Sixth, Spain only knew that it would fall far from San Salvador, and hoped that, by keeping its ships at a distance of one hundred leagues from the most western of the Portuguese possessions, alarm and jealousy on the part of the last-named power might be prevented. But Portugal, like Columbus and Spain, believed San Salvador to be part of India, to which country, passing the Cape of Good Hope in 1487, it had opened a new way, and to which it claimed the exclusive right. It was therefore impossible for Spain to maintain the demarcation line of Alexander VI, and in the convention of Todarias, the 7th of June, 1494, it was moved 170 leagues farther west, a change which, without the cognizance of either party, gave Brazil to Portugal. But although the position of the demarcation line of Alexander VI had been changed, it continued, nevertheless, to be the basis of all subsequent transactions and conventions for dividing the sovereignty of the New World, and thus preserved peace between the two colonizing powers. It is clear from the text of these letters that the popes, and especially Alexander the Sixth, found such action, as was his in this case, on their duty to provide for the Christianization of the new countries a duty which carried with it the right and authority to use all power, and particularly all indispensable means for its accomplishment. The conversion of these heathen populations seemed impossible, unless somehow they should be incorporated into and peace preserved between the Christian kingdoms of Spain and Portugal. 
the sending of bishops and missionaries to the new world in these grants of lands newly discovered or to be discovered alexander the sixth and his predecessors emphatically insisted on the duty of christian kings to cooperate by all means under their control in the conversion of the inhabitants of such lands in fact such cooperation was clearly an implied condition and consideration of the grants the evidence appears insufficient to support a positive assertion that on his first voyage columbus was accompanied by a priest but it is a plain fact that for the second expedition in fourteen ninety three ferdinand and isabella as well as alexander the sixth solicitously provided missionaries not only for the spiritual well-being of the spaniards but also and principally for the conversion of the natives bernard boyle greatly esteemed for his saintly life and for his great ability in the management of ecclesiastical and also of political affairs offered himself for this mission the first apostle who after columbus's discovery went to the new world till fourteen ninety two he was a benedictine monk or hermit at montserrat but at the time of his mission to the lately discovered islands that is to say at least from september twenty second fourteen ninety two to december eighth fourteen ninety seven he belonged to the order of the minimi which shortly before had been established by st francis of paul in fourteen eighty eight he returned to the benedictine order and became abbot of cuxa the copyist of the letter to alexander the fourth to boyle made therefore a very excusable mistake in writing minorum instead of minimorum in consequence of which regnaldus wadding and many other writers assigned boyle to the franciscan order by this letter of june the twenty fifth fourteen ninety three alexander granted to boyle and his twelve companions all the powers and privileges which could aid to make their enterprise successful of these twelve companions only pedro de asena and fray jorge are named pedro de asena is said to have celebrated the first mass in the new world after it was discovered by columbus as early as fifteen o one at the request of ferdinand and isabella alexander took steps to provide bishops for the infant colonies in america in fifteen o four an archbishopric and two bishoprics were erected at tagusta magua and bayuna in hispaniola haiti but through the operations of ferdinand's well-known financial policy the plan came to nothing on august eighth fifteen eleven these three dioceses were suppressed and three others were established at santo domingo and concepcion de la vega in hispaniola and at san juan in puerto rico and placed under jurisdiction of the archbishops of seville where the government of the colonies had its seat in august and september of fifteen thirteen see five letters of that date john of quevedo a franciscan friar was appointed to the see of banta maria de antigua or darien and his appointment announced to the authorities and people he was the first bishop of a diocese on the american continent he died at barcelona about december fifth fifteen twenty already a considerable body of priests both secular and regular were working for the religious good of the colonists and to convert the natives the popes however and the rulers of spain wished to increase the number of these laborers and to provide for their government 
A letter of Clement VII, dated June the 7th, 1526, letter 22, the better to effect their wish, urged the general of the Franciscans to visit personally the members of his order in the New World. By another letter, letter 23, Clement authorized the emperor, Charles V, who had asked for missionaries, to send 120 Franciscans, 70 Dominicans, and 10 Sergomites to the lately discovered islands, even without the permission of their respective superiors, granting to those who should be sent many privileges and exemptions. With like solicitude, the kings of Spain and Portugal continued to fulfill the condition under which they had received the papal grants of newly discovered or to be discovered territories. Pope Julius II recommends Bartholomew and Diego Columbus to the King of Spain. On the death of Christopher Columbus, May the 20th, 1506, began for his heirs the difficulties which, aggregated by the characteristic tenacity of the family, occasioned the endless lawsuit, well known as Los Pletos de Colón. With the hope of ending these difficulties, Bartholomew, the brother, and Diego, the son of the discoverer, determined to join King Ferdinand, then at Naples. Passing through Rome, on their way thither, they were kindly received by Pope Julius II, and obtained from him a recommendation to Ferdinand, who seems already to have been favorably disposed toward them. End of section 27